What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields, here on this Wednesday, September the 22nd. Happy birthday uh, to my mother. Uh, it's her birthday today, so a happy, uh, happy, glorious birthday to her. Uh, as we uh, talk to you about everything that's going on uh, in the world of sports, uh, this show is going to be dedicated all to recapping week two of the NFL because there's a lot that went on. Ravens and Chiefs game was off the charts. Uh, get into that to begin the program. I haven't forgotten about the Giants uh, and their pathetic loss, derping their way to 0-2 against Washington last uh, Thursday night. Raiders are 2-0. Impressive performance against the Steelers on Sunday. We'll get into them. Famous Jameis has returned as uh, the Saints had a very... Uh, disappointing loss to, uh, and I understand the the uh, Panthers are are a good football team. Matt Rule's a good coach, but still, when you blow the living daylights out the Packers one week, and then your offense fails to show up the next, it's 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 very underwhelming and very disappointing. It's uh, it's like eating it's like eating a, a dinner at a five star restaurant uh, one night, and then for breakfast, and then for breakfast the next morning, you know, you get a uh, you get a, a cereal bar. And, and ice cold coffee. I mean, it's, it, it, it piss you off. Get to that. Get to Zach Wilson's rough uh, MetLife Stadium debut uh, as the Jets starting quarterback. Bill shut out Miami to his injury and how he will be out for the Dolphins game uh, next week, this upcoming Sunday. Get to the Vikings-Cardinals shootout. I'll get to the Seahawks uh, in their fourth quarter choke job against the Titans at home on Sunday. I'll get to the Cowboys and Chargers defensive battle and what was a game just uh, altered to the to the tenth degree by ref ball and that poorly officiated game. I get into that, and you bet your ass I will get into my Cincinnati Bengals uh, not showing up uh, in uh, Chicago, Illinois at Soldier Field uh, against the Chicago Bears uh, Sunday afternoon. But where we begin, uh, like I previously stated, is with game that was between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. That was by far hands down the game of the weekend. You know, so far through the first two weeks of the young NFL season, we've had six primetime games, two Monday night, two Thursday night, and two uh, Sunday night games. Uh, the Thursday night game to begin the season between Tampa and Dallas was, was a great game. Uh, the Monday night game between the Ravens and the, and the uh, Raiders the week before was great. Uh, it was a wild, crazy, wacky football game. Uh, so the Ravens, so we've played six primetime games, and the Ravens are are resp- or have already played in two of what has been the two of the best uh, primetime games we've had so far uh, on the young season. And then, of course, uh, the uh, what game? And then uh, the Giants Washington game, which we'll get to later in the program, was a good game. The only two outliers was the uh, was the Packers uh, beating the Lions by uh, 35-17 earlier in the week on Monday night. That game was that you know 35 you know that game was a very football game and then the game that was just an absolute eyesore to watch that I screamed and yelled about last week was of course the Bears and the Rams but anyway that's not the end or there. Let's get into the game uh, itself. First off, you know, I gotta give all the credit in the world and sing the praises of Lamar Jackson 
who after the first quarter, uh, when it looked like that, it was, uh, here we go again, same old story with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens not showing up uh, when the light shined the brightest in front of America against the big bad opponent, whether it be the Tennessee Titans at home in the playoff game as a number one seed in the uh, AFC that year in 2019, whether it be the uh, whether it be the Chiefs last uh, last September when they played them in month, at home on Monday Night Football Week Three, I believe, when there was no fans in the building when the Ravens uh, came up small, whether it's the Buffalo Bills game in front of in front of fans up there at Orchard Park on that Saturday night when the offense didn't show up, whatever the case. So you got the feeling like, oh boy, the moment's going to be. They're all, they're already injured, you know they're. They're depleted already. Even with the Ravens fully healthy, the Chiefs still have a much better roster, at least on the offensive side of the football, than the Ravens do. And so, and then they have all these injuries prior to the season started. So now, and so the roster's depleted, and it's like Lamar Jackson, you know, opening drive for the Ravens throws the pick six to Tyron Matthew. And if you're a Ravens fan, or if you're like me, pulling for the Ravens and Lamar to win this game, you win. Or or you bet the Ravens, you went. Oh God, here we go again. Same you know, same crap, different year with uh, Lamar Jackson. The Ravens coming up small uh, against uh, top tier AFC competition, more or less. Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City Chiefs in prime time again. Uh, but then he threw. But then and give him all the credit in the world because he deserves it. After the first quarter, Lamar Jackson did not look back. In a putrid first quarter, he was 3 of 7 through 24 passing yards and had two interceptions, both to Tyron Matthew. Uh, and in the opening, in the during the two interceptions were thrown during the Ravens' earlier possessions, of course, in the game with the pick six to Tyron Matthew, of course, being on the Ravens' opening drive. And you had the suspicion, at least I did, and I heard many of people, many of people in the media who do this for a living. Uh, say that they thought that the game was over and the Ravens had no shot of winning after the Tyron Matthew pick six, and they weren't wrong. And I and that I didn't think the game was over, but in the back of my mind, I was like, if the Ravens end up losing this game by a touchdown, this that that essentially was the game and the difference maker right there. Because when you play the Kansas City Chiefs, you have to t- you have to take advantage of every opportunity you get. You cannot waste offensive possessions, punting the football, uh, you know, punting the football, you know, settling for field goals when they're going down the field, kicking touchdown, going down, uh, going down the field, scoring touchdowns. Uh, or turn over the football, fumbling interceptions, whatever the case might be. And the last thing the Ravens need, the last thing the Ravens needed during the earlier sequences of that game was to essentially give the Kansas City Chiefs a free touchdown because that's what that was. I mean, they, the Chiefs don't need any more help than they already have at scoring touchdowns. But they got the, one of the best quarterbacks in the sport right now. They got the best tight end in the sport in Travis Kelsey. And they got Tyree Kill, who wear, a guy who where if you blink, he's already scored two touchdowns and caught 10 passes for 132 yards. And then, of course, McCall Hardman and, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire and everybody else. And and the, the offensive mag, magicians that are on the Chiefs' sideline and uh, Reed and Eric Bieniemy, so they don't need any more help scoring as it is. Not to mention, not to mention, they're playing in a National Football League that caters towards the offense, where it's impossible to hit the quarterback and you can't touch the receiver unless it's literally, unless it's literally as soon as the ball is snapped and all and all that sort of stuff. 
And so the last thing the Ravens needed was to give the Chiefs essentially a free touchdown, which is what that Tyron Matthew pick six was, a free touchdown. Mahomes, had, Mahomes hadn't even stepped on the field yet, and the Ravens already down 7 to nothing. But give uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens all the credit in the world for essentially saying, hey, you know what, guys, there's still plenty of football left. Don't worry about it. If we do our job and we do what we're supposed to do, we go out there and we execute on offense, and our defense makes the nest, makes the makes the uh, timely stops on defense that we need, we're going to be all right. And the Ravens did exactly that. And Lamar Jackson gave all the credit in the world. You know, a quarterback, a quarterback throwing pick sixes and quarterback throwing interceptions, especially uh, in the early stages of a football game, and even in the later stages as well. You kind of have to have that uh, that relief pitcher mentality. You know, that 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 setup man, that closer mentality. You know, that gives up the clutch, that gives up the clutch home run in the, in the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. You know, in the in the latter parts of the games when you know uh, when when they face in the heart of their of their opponent's uh, batting order and they got to get you know uh, eight six six nine three outs to secure a win and you, you know and you don't and you screw it up and you leave a fastball down the heart of the plate right in the hitter's wheelhouse you hang a slider or you hang a breaking ball and they hit the ball nine miles out the out of the ballpark and next thing you know the game's the game's tied. It's you. You're only up by one run, or you lost the lead altogether. And quarterbacks throwing those inter, throwing those costly interceptions, or what could be costly interceptions in the early slash latter parts of a football game, have to have the very similar mindset to the relief pitchers in baseball. You gotta you gotta have a short and a quick memory. As soon as as soon as you hit the sidelines, once that touchdown is over and done with, and the extra point team is going on is went on goes on to the field to kick the uh, extra point that's that's got to be flushed from your brain all the only thing that you take from what just happened is the mistake that you made and say we're not gonna i'm not gonna make that this uh mistake a second time or in lamar's case a third time because he threw two interceptions in the first quarter but you have to have that short memory where you know you flush it you see it for what it was you learn from it and then you immediately move on you don't sit up there feel sorry for yourself woe is me and 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 pout and and slouch and have poor but uh-uh. that's not you don't you don't win football games with that with that type of attitude and give Lamar credit. It was like, all right, all right, let's go. On to the next one. Harbaugh, on to the next one. Let's go. Give him all the credit in the world because the rest of the game, he was 15 or 19, 215 passing yards, threw a touchdown, and then on the ground had 16 carries for 107 yards and ran for two touchdowns in a game. Just a phenomenal job by Lamar Jackson and one of the uh, one of the gutsiest uh, tough and one of the gutsiest and ballsiest performances. Excuse, excuse uh, the uh, excuse my French uh, that I that I've seen him that I've seen him uh, have as a pro, where you know where he makes that where he makes the crappy mistakes in the beginning and unlike and, and unlike the Tennessee game uh, back in January of 2020 in the 2019 playoffs. Unlike the Tennessee game. Unlike the. Uh, Unlike, I won't use the Buffalo game because he was concussed and then essentially have a chance to redeem himself uh, as you know after the uh, pick six he threw. But un- unlike the Tennessee playoff game and unlike uh, last September at home on Mo- 
Monday night against uh, Kansas City. He took, he saw what his mistakes were, flushed it, and said, "You know what? There's still plenty of football left. Let's regather ourselves. I'll regather myself mental, mentally, and let's go out there and kick these guys and kick these guys' teeth in. Let's go out there and play the football that we're capable of playing." And boy, did he do that! He did that throwing the football, and he sure as hell did it running the football because he, I mean, he. And it wasn't just him. I mean, Tyson Williams had, you know, ran on 13 carries, ran for 70, 70 yards. But it was, a, but Lamar Jackson was a one-man wrecking crew, and he also has the ability that, you know, not too many. I mean, some quarterbacks have it. You know, Mahomes has it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has it. Brady has it. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of other court of other quarterbacks that have that ability. Uh, I mean, those just off the top of my head, quarterbacks that literally, Russell Wilson has that ability of quarterbacks that literally when the chips are down or when their team is in a pinch and they need their best player on the team, which for the Seahawks, which for the Seahawks, Chiefs, Pats slash Bucks, Ravens, and uh, Packers, the best player on their team is their quarterback, where the team is in a pinch or the team is in a bind and they need their best player to step up and play the football that they're capable of playing to either to either put them out in front or put the game away. Those players that I just mentioned, Lamar, of course, being included in that, has the ability, has this uncanny and phenomenal ability to take over a football game. Now, now the Brady's and the Rodgers of the world, the Brady's and the Rodgers of the world, uh, you know, don't take over the don't take over the game by with their arm and with their legs. But you've seen Mahomes do it at time where he runs where he has to. You certainly have seen Russell Wilson do it, and of course Lamar Jackson, you know, took over the game completely with his arm and with his legs. And outside of a couple of fumbles and a couple of mistakes, he would have he would have willed his way to the he would have willed the Ravens way to win uh, back in back in Vegas on the first Monday night of the season because he came within and now they made plenty of mistakes and they had many opportunities to beat Ve- to beat Vegas on that Monday night but Lamar Jackson almost willed the Ravens way to victory in that game and he has, and he did and he essentially did the exact did the exact same thing his receivers played better around him. Uh, for his receivers played better around him for the most part, and their defense didn't implode like they did against the Raiders. And and Lamar Jackson made his mistakes earlier in the game instead of in the latter portions of the game and protected the football and didn't fumble. But he has he essentially played a, a similar the similar uh, a, a, a a the similar way he did uh, in the Vegas game as far as saying you know what. My team is injured. My team is depleted. This is a this is a tough, nitty gritty football game. I'm the best player on the team. I am the unanimous 2019 NFL MVP. I'm Lamar Jackson. I'm a Heisman Trophy winner. I'm a first round uh, I'm a first round draft pick in the draft back in 2018. I am going to take over this football game. Put my team on my back, and gosh damn it, I am going to win this game for my football team. And that's the tenacity and the mentality that Lamar Jackson has. And God bless him for it because that is one of the guttiest, grittiest, uh, uh, grown man-esque performances that I have seen from him so far in his young career. And one of the best 
quarterback performances that I've that I've seen so far this season. I'm the he's like I'm I'm the best player on the team. I am y'all's leader. I am the I am, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. I'm the guy that 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 promised the Super Bowl to this franchise. I'm the first round draft pick. I'm the MVP. I'm the Heisman Trophy winner. I'm the QB one on this squad. I'm a Put y'all on my back, and I'm going to carry y'all to the promised land. Something that I had, that I and lots of other people in the media have criticized Lamar of not doing in the past. You know, when Lamar is making his mistakes and was and was playing horrendously in the Titan playoff game, you didn't you didn't you didn't get that sense and that feeling of urgency of all right, gosh damn it. It's it's put up a shut up time. I'm gonna put y'all on my shoulders, and I'll single handedly uh, will, will us to winning this damn football game. And they did it Sunday night, and he deserves major props for it. It's funny, you know. I tweeted out when it was announced that Marcus Peters and um, uh, Gus Edwards went down for the season with a torn ACL. I believe it was the Thursday of the uh, Cowboy Buccaneer game. I even tweeted this out, and I'll say it, and I'll uh, and I'll put it into, uh, and, and I'll verbalize it here on the show. You know, maybe the maybe this was a blessing in disguise for not only Lamar, not only for the Ravens, for Lamar Jackson. You know, he knows that you know they got more players. The Ravens have more players on IR than any team in the National Football League at this point. And it's and we're and we're only two weeks into the new season, not even out of the first month of the season yet. They got Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, the two the two headed running back attack that they have in the backfield. They're out, and Marcus Peters, one of the best players on defense, is out. Mark Ingram, who was there in in nineteen and last year in twenty twenty, he's a, he's with Houston. Rashad Bateman, their first round a draft pick wide receiver out of Minnesota. He won't be, he won't be back in for a couple of weeks. You get the feeling that this was the kick in the that this was this was the this was the proverbial kick kick in the behind that Lamar Jackson possibly needed to not only take the Ravens to the next level, but take him to the next level. Because one of the things I would criticize, I criticize Lamar about, especially after the Titan playoff game, was the fact that you didn't get a feeling of leadership within that team and on that sideline. And after watching Sunday night's game, you know who the leader of that football team is. It is Lamar Jackson. You can see it, how his teammates gravitate towards him. You can see it with how the how they feed off of his energy. You saw it when Harbaugh asked. Jackson, we'll get to that in a minute. Do you want to go for it on fourth down to put the game away? You didn't get that. I didn't sense it. I didn't feel that 
with the Ravens back in 2019, and they had the best record in the AFC that season. One Kansas City, one Tennessee, one Houston, one the Patriots. I understand Kansas City won the Super Bowl, but they didn't have the best record in the AFC that season. If it wasn't for a Ryan Fitzpatrick touchdown pass in Week 17, they would have been the third seed and would have ended up playing on Wild Card Weekend. One Brady in the Patriots, one Mahomes in Kansas City. Ravens had the best record in twenty in 2019, and I didn't sense it then. So I'm bringing it back to the point as maybe that was the blessing in disguise that the, that that the Lamar needed to take his play over the top. And maybe take the Ravens over the top. Where he's starting to become and embolden that leader that that team so desperately needs that they want to make it take it take their game to the next level. Cause you know, every championship contending team, you know, has that guy. Bucks have Brady, Bills have Josh Allen. Chiefs have Mahomes and Matthew on the defensive side of the football. Browns have Baker Mayfield. Ravens might be Lamar Jackson. That's item number one. Item number two, uh, again, give the Ravens defense a ton of credit. Uh, a ton of credit. Now they now they gave up. And now their defense, you know, giving up uh, thirty plus points in back to back games is very concerning. Uh, but and they did give up thirty five points. But give the Ravens defense a ton of credit. They they shut out the Chiefs in the fourth quarter. They held the Chiefs to zero fourth quarter points. And I saw this tweet. I believe it was from Daniel Oyefusi, who now is a part of the Miami Herald covering the Miami Dolphins. And shout out to him, uh, who we had on back in March uh, during um, uh, the NCAA tournament. I believe it was him that tweeted it out. Uh, and, and if it wasn't him, I apologize. He tweeted out, it's almost like you got to grade defenses on a curve when you play Kansas City. Because, and I'm and I'm gonna do that because, albeit they, you know, they okay, so they get so they they scored 35 points in the game, but offensively they only scored 28 points. So that's that's four touchdowns, and they held them scoreless in the fourth quarter. And they and they are the only team, and 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 hold the the quote unquote honor, so to speak, as the only team to force Patrick Mahomes to throw an interception in a September football game, something he had not done heading into Sunday night. They've given up over sixty points in the first two weeks of the season, but. They kind of they made up for it from their collapse against the Raiders on Week One. They didn't collapse in the second half. Yeah, they gave up 14 points in the third quarter, but they shut down the Chiefs' defense in the fourth quarter. They they forced Mahomes to make a mistake, and he walked away with two game-defying turnovers in the second half. The interception which gave the Ravens momentum, which put them in a situation for them to either, if not tie the game, take the lead. And then the, the, uh, the uh, what's the guy's name? I got to make sure I get it right um, and pronounce it properly. 
of the linebacker out of uh, Penn State. Odafe Oye with the forced fumble in the recovery. Clyde Edwards-Alaire to make the defensive play of the game for Baltimore. And then the ironic and the ironic part of that is that they drafted Owe out of Penn State with the draft pick they got from Kansas City in the Orlando Brown trade back in the offseason. So how about that? So although they've given up over sixty points in the first two weeks of the season, the Ravens defense redeemed themselves, kept the Chiefs scoreless in the fourth quarter. And made and made the Chiefs turn over the football twice. The Alaire fumble to squash what could have been their game-winning drive at the end of the fourth quarter, and then the and then forced Mahomes to throw the interception, which turned the tides of the game in the second half. And the Ravens didn't quit. They did not quit. They played hungry. They wanted. They wanted that football game. I don't say he's like, oh, look at the Ravens. Oh, what do you want a medal? You want a trophy for finally beating Kansas City? It's about time. You're missing the point. Okay? There, the, the, these are not, you know, these are not, this, this isn't the 2020 Bengals, uh, you know, beat finally knocking off the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, when they're, what, uh, 2 two and 12, whatever their record was. On Monday Night Football, an inconsequential game essentially for 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 this for Cincinnati. This isn't it. This is a game that the Ravens needed, not just when it comes to playoff seating and tiebreakers and all that nonsense. When the playoff, when the uh, regular season dust settles in the Jan- you know come January of the new year, but. It also matters when it comes to the team's psyche and the team's confidence level. If they're so fortunate to make it into playing January football, playoff football. This was a confidence booster. This was the the Ravens. Oh, we can hang with Kansas City. Oh, we can beat them. Oh, we do know how to stop and find and find somewhat of an answer of Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. We can do that. And we can be successful at doing that. And if we're so fortunate to have a game in our building against them again, we like our chances. So... They needed that game. The fans wanted and needed that game. Phenomenal job by the Ravens. And a phenomenal job by Wink Martindale, too, who I killed again with the non-stop cover zeros all-out blitzes uh, against the Raiders last week. Hell of a job by him not letting Tyreek Hill go nuts. You know, Tyreek Hill caught only three passes for 14 yards and was only targeted four times. So... And and it got to a point when Kansas City was driving where it was like, oh, holy crap. You know, here comes, uh, you know, here comes Travis Kelsey. I mean, uh, you know, make sure you got covered Travis Kelsey. And he had a good game, seven receptions for 109 yards and a touchdown catch. But it, they didn't let tra- uh, Tyree Kill go nuts. They had a corner on him and they had a safety watching him like a hawk at all times. 
So a hell of a job and a hell of a defensive game plan by him. You understand, when you have Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey on the same team, you kind of have to pick your poison. You want Tyree Kill to beat you deep, or you want, uh, or you're going to let, or you're going to, you know, sacrifice, uh, or you're going to sacrifice that and allow, uh, t- are you going to sacrifice Travis Kelsey, you know, uh, racking up a hell of receptions and, and getting a lot of, and being wide open on underneath routes for uh, Tyree Kill not for not allowing Tyree Kill to beat you deep, and that's what the Ravens did. And they didn't let Tyree Kill beat them. They didn't. And although Pringle scored a touchdown, Robinson scored a touchdown, he Pringle and Hardman didn't go nuts. And neither did Tyree Kill. Travis Kelsey, and that was it. And from the Kansas City uh, side of things, uh, you know, listen. I felt like on the last I felt like on Kansas City's last drive, you know, can't and I said this and I said this while I was watching the game uh with uh you know with my fa- with uh, my family Sunday night. I say Kansas City's the only team in America, you know, that can run the clock out by throwing the football. Because of the fact that they have Mahomes and they have Kelsey and it's just such a weird dynamic crazy next-gen offense that they have. And it got to a point where it seemed like Kansas City started getting con- started getting conservative and started getting real uh, cute with their play calling and decision-making. I want to say as soon as they as soon as they either pass midfield or they got to the Ravens 40-yard line they start they started they started they started getting cute because when they first came out there they were throwing the ball they were like try we're going to get Kelsey open we're going to you know we're going to move the ball down the field Ravens and and it looked like to me it looked like to me that Harbaugh and his piss poor uh time management slash time uh, clock management clock management slash timeout management was going to come back to bite him in the ass when he burned two timeouts uh, you know, in the third quarter when he knew good and well that he was going to need those timeouts and everybody watching knew that they were going to need those timeouts if the Ravens were going to be in a situation where they were going to, where they were going to play the game close and they were going to need those timeouts you know, to make sure they could get, either get the ball back or stop the clock. You know, as far as uh, stopping Kansas City in the latter moments of the of the fourth quarter in that in that football game, and I thought that was incredibly asinine when Harbaugh started started burning his uh, you know started burning his timeouts in the third quarter. I'm like Harbaugh, what are you doing, man? You, you're going, you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. You're going to need those time. You're going to need those timeouts later in the game. What are you doing? And you know, and I thought that 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 was going to come back to bite Baltimore in the ass, but their defense had other plans. And as I'm looking at looking at it right now, uh, I, yep, it was exactly right. As soon as they got after the Travis Kelsey uh, first down reception, which got him past the 40 yard line. Uh, that uh, that took them a, uh, to the two minute warning or thereabouts. Kansas City oddly got got conservative, got cute, and started running the football almost as and they were and they were up by and they were only down and they were down by a point thirty six thirty five. They started getting cute and started playing for the field goal. 
And typically, if you you know you watch the Kansas City Chiefs play, they don't they don't they don't play it safe. They don't play it short. They they go for the jugular. They go they go to knock you out. You know, screw the field goal. We're going for the touchdowns. And it's almost as if you know after they got past the two minute warning, and they knew that the and they kind of and they got cute knowing that the Ravens only had one timeout. They were in field goal range and only down a point that they got cute and started running the football. And they came back to bite him in the ass with the Alaire fumble. So you know, and, and they start, you know, they were coming out, shotgun, throwing the ball, throwing the ball, th- and we're and we're marching down the field like, you know, Mahomes shots back, finds Pringle, boom, first down, Kelsey, boom, first down, and then once they got into Ravens territory, started getting into Butker's field goal range, they weirdly started playing conservative and started, you know, running the football and playing it safe and playing for the field goal, which I did not understand and very uncharacteristic of Kansas City. Uh, of, of Kansas City to do so, and then Harbaugh, you know, and, and knowing and t- and 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 taking advantage of Harbaugh's poor timeout decision to a f- decisions plural, I should say, to a fault. Like they knew the Ravens only had one timeout, so they say, "Ah, we'll play it cute. We're in Butker's field goal range. We're only down by one point. You know, we'll we'll melt the clock like regular teams do by running it." And it came back, and it came back to bite Kansas City. You know whether they didn't want to risk Mahomes throwing another interception again, or I don't know what it was, but it came, it came back to bite them with the Alaire with the Clyde Edwards Alaire fumble. So, and Harbaugh, you know, with with the with the ballsy decision to go for it on fourth and one, where if you make it, it's ball game over. You don't get it, you know, your chances of you know your chances of winning. Uh, winning the football game literally cut in half, and and Kansas City is going to you know milk the clock, either kick a field goal or take a shot in the end zone and win the football game. So a hell of a job by and a hell of a job by him also checking with Lamar. Uh, you know, do you want to go for this? And I and I knew it. I don't think. It, I mean, I I mean maybe I maybe I was the only one, or maybe it's just me just being conceited. But you know, I'm I'm a good lip reader, and I saw. You know, he was like Lamar, Lamar, you want to go for this? And and Michaels and Collinsworth weren't saying anything. I was like, oh, they only have to show. All they had to show is just Harbaugh's face and and, and see his lips moving. And, and I was like, oh, they're going for this, no doubt. And and, and a great job by Roman and Harbaugh and and the, and the offensive fellow of calling the proper formation, you know, with the Lamar draw play to the left and making sure that they had that offensive lineman, you know, stacked on top of each other on the left side. Yeah, you go back and you look the play, it, the, the off, you can totally tell, totally tell the Ravens were running to the left because of how many offensive linemen and how many blockers they had lined up on the left side of the field. So, so, the, so there you go with that. But just a tremendous and a phenomenal, intriguing football game. I'm so happy for Lamar Jackson. I'm so happy for the Ravens players. I'm so happy for the Ravens fans. Hopefully, you guys take this momentum and build upon it, and you have and you have yourselves a uh, and you have yourselves a, a great rest of your season. You make the playoffs, and if you play Kansas City again, I'll root. I'm gonna be rooting like hell for you. And and if and if all of you out there saying, "Oh, Jai, well, what what the hell do you care about about uh, about the Ravens? Aren't you a 
Bengals fan? Yes, but if you people wonder why I root against the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, there's no reason why. How about Lamar? And I haven't forgotten about this either. And as soon as I bring this up, we'll go to the break and get to the other games. But you know, can Patrick Mahomes? You know, whether when he whether he got to the airport in Kansas City on uh, on uh, Monday morning or sometime earlier or sometime during the week, you know, can he pull his brother aside and tell him to stop acting like a jackass and and embarrassing the family name by by you know while he's sitting up there and his uh, in his uh, in his little suite down at the bank, can he tell his brother to act like to stop acting like an idiot, show some class, act like an adult, and not embarrass the hell out of me and the rest of our family by pouring a water bottle onto pouring water of you know from a water bottle on onto Ravens fans celebrating. I mean, I mean, I mean, I don't know how old he is. He's old enough to know better. That's all that matters. He's in, he's in his twenties. He's old enough to know better. Grown ass man, you know, graduating, uh, you know, gra- college, uh, high school graduate. Old enough to know better. He's been with the TikTok accounts and all this other dopey, cringy, stupid, asinine antics that he pulls. He's old enough to know better. All right. You you go to the if you go to my games, especially the road games, you can yell, cheer, scream, shout, cheer for me. Do it to the cows come home. I'll greatly appreciate it. And I'm forever thankful. And the and the whole brother the brother dynamic, I get that. But for the love of God, you know, don't especially road games. Go to my road games. Go into uh, going go into another team stadium. Going into another team city, another team state, and go out there and act like an ass. Now, that was me. I'd I'd sit my homes down and say, hey, you can do whatever the hell you want at my games, but what you ain't going to do is, is sit up here and embarrass me, blow up my phone and blow up my social media and act and acting like a complete buffoon because we, you know, because we lost the game by one lousy freaking stinking point, you know, and and you and you feel the need to pour water bottles, to pour water on Ravens fans. That is uncalled for, uncalled for and that is and that is classless and acting like a complete and utter douchebag. Show some class and have and have a little decorum and have a little bit of respect and dignity for other people. Please. You know. It, it, ain't, it, it ain't like Mahomes, you know, and, and let's call it like we see it. You know, let's call it like we see it. Mahomes, you know, Mahomes uh, mooches the hell, mooches the, Jackson Mahomes that is, mooches the hell off, off his brother Patrick. And don't sit up here and tell me while well, he's an, influ- an influencer and a TikTok and a social media. Bullcrap. R- find a real job. Real job. Make something for yourself other than being known as, you know, Patrick Mahomes' younger TikTok-obsessed brother. Please. You know, it's not like that this guy is going out there and, 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 and creating his own name for himself. He's writing off his brother's success and his brother's coattails and his brother's money. Let's call it like we see it. Let's call it like we see it. I, I don't care. I don't care if the Ravens, if that Ravens fan was cussing him out and was ragging him and was making fun of him and Kansas City and 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 Patrick all night long. You don't. You don't. You don't. You don't bring a. You don't bring a. You don't bring a. Uh, a, uh, a AR-15 to a machete fight. You don't. If you if you if you can't take the heat, get the hell out of the get the hell out of the kitchen. You're in enemy territory now. 
You're not in Kansas City, Missouri, in Arrowhead, and that in that concrete bowl of a stadium uh, with with you know eighty thousand other Chiefs fans. You're in Baltimore, my city, with my people, with you know with fellow Ravens fans coming to air enemy territory. You deserve you you deserve what you get. And I would know I've been to that stadium a bunch of times and I've seen my Bengals lose a bunch inside that stadium. And the last thing that ever crossed my mind while all the Ravens fans would, and do they get, do they get cocky? Do they get arrogant? Do they, you know, do they, uh, do they rub it in your face a little bit? Yeah, but that's part of sports and that's part of go, and that's part of being a fan of the road team going, going to the home team's stadium to watch them play. If you if you don't if you don't like it, you should stay jazzed in the comfort of your own home in Kansas City and watch it on television like everybody else did. And there've been plenty of times where I've been where I've been jeered and where I've been ah yadi like that and trash talking it as a kid, as a kid. And the last thing that ever crossed my mind was taking somebody's you know bottle of mineral light and pouring it in their face or th- or throwing a bag of popcorn at them you don't do that you carry yourself and you act a certain way and he who is Mahomes' brother you know where you know where his life is uh, is being critiqued and is being watched under the microscope like it has been for you know for essentially the last three four years or so should he should know better Especially as a grown adult. He should know better. You lost one lousy game. It's week two of the season. You went to back-to-back Super Bowls. Your brother won a Super Bowl. Super Bowl MVP. He's worth billions. Okay? Worth billions. NFL MVP. And, you, and you've played in three straight AFC Championship games. You'll live if you lose a week two game on the road to the Ravens 36-35. You'll live. Okay, you live. You, I mean, you, I mean, you guys play. Uh, the, these two teams play each other damn near every single year. You were bound. You were bound to lose a game uh, to to them eventually. You were. You were due. You were due. You know, every every now and again, the Raven, the Ravens, you know, with Flacco and Harbaugh, managed to beat uh, Brady and Belichick every now and again. Where you want to go uh, in the earlier parts of regular season in 2012, 2012th AFC Championship game, 20, uh, 2009 AFC Wild Card game, when the Patriots were in town in Brady's, uh, Brady's last game uh, in Baltimore as a Patriot. Back in the back in during the during Lamar's uh, uh, not Lamar's but during uh, yeah during Lamar's MVP season, plenty of times. You're not, you're not going to win every game. You're not going to win every game. Spoiler alert, Patrick. You're not going twenty and zero. You're not. You ain't winning every game. It's just, just the way it is. Part of sport. Deal with it. Don't like it, then, and 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 and, and, and you know, find find something else better to do. Please. And you and you guys and you guys wonder why I can't I why why I root root like hell against this damn team. They are so, so cocky. And it's so tough to take. My God. 
A, fr a franchise that did nothing but choke and lose playoff games left and right. They they get a get they get a gift from God in in a in a franchise altering dynamic quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, and all of a sudden they think every single season the Vince Lombardi Trophy is going to be handed to him. You know, you know, uh, come week one before the games start. I mean, give me a freaking break! My God, your defense stinks. You can't stop the you can't stop the run. You know you've given up 404 rushing yards this season so far. You you lead the league in most rushing touchdowns allowed, and you allow more yards per rush than any team in football with six a carry. Please, my goodness gracious! Your defense made two plays and essentially took the rest of the night off. Somebody, you know, while Mahomes, while while Jackson is sitting up here pouring water on the on, you know, on the Ravens fan, can he can he tell his brother to you know when he's getting sacked to go down with the ball and not essentially try to make himself out to be Superman and 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 force a pass that had no business being thrown, which changed the complexion of the football game in the second half. Or maybe tell, or maybe tell uh, his uh, his brother, his brother's teammates on the defensive side, not to not to essentially leave uh, Marquise Brown wide the hell open in the middle of the field and allow Lamar Jackson to pull off that ridiculous some matrix BS jump pass that they went down the, that they went up and down the field and scored a touchdown on before he starts you know throwing water bottles. How about that? My goodness gracious. They're so tough to take and so nauseating. It's ridiculous. I can't. I cannot take them. I can't take them. Can't. Can't. And remember, these are the same Chiefs fans that were crying, bitching, and moaning, saying, "God, oh, a Super Bowl was rigged," and were and were crying and screaming at the top of their lungs. You know, Jackson Mahomes, Brittany Lynn, that loudmouth. You know, Kayla Nicole, who I love, but you know, her too. You know, going on, you know, going on Instagram and and bumping up at the, bumping off her gums about how the game was rigged and this, that, and the other. When it when when her uh, boy, when her uh, booze booth and when her little booth things team spit up the joint in the Super Bowl. Remember, these are the same Chiefs fans. Uh, they, when when they, when they benefit from more calls than anybody in the history of the sport. Please, enough. Shut shut the. Here here's what I want. Here's what I want from all you Chiefs fans. Uh, that that goes for that goes for Brittany, who should be more concerned about raising that kid than act than acting like a and then acting like somebody off of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. This is for her. This is for Kayla Nicole. This is for Jackson Mahomes. This is for all you other loud mouth, obnoxious ass Chief fans out there. How about shutting the hell up? Say hey, the Lombardi ain't going to be handed to us this year. Still got got still have to go out there and play the games. And you know what? Granted, we have one of the the most dynamic and talented quarterbacks in the sport, Patrick Mahomes, but we ain't going to win a damn thing until our defense turns it around. If you can't stop the run, you ain't winning no. You ain't going to a third straight Super Bowl. I'm gonna tell you that right now. And if you do go, you sure as hell ain't going to win it. Anyway, 
I hate the long monologues. You know, they go over 40 minutes, but I got so much stuff to get off my chest. You know, sometimes you got to go long. Plus, it's my show. What the hell? Take a break. Get to the other week two action in the National Football League. This is the Amatilica TIS Podcast. Back in a flash. Welcome back to the Amatelica TIS Podcast. Switching gears now to recapping the rest of the week that was as far as week two in the NFL uh, in 2021. Uh, the, the Giants are 0-2. Uh, it's just like, what, what an absolute disgrace the New York football Giants are. And this is why I screamed and yelled back in August, you know, when Joe Judge, who thinks he's uh, Herman Boone, uh, you know, with the, having his players run around the, the practice facility in the practice field in New Jersey, screaming and yelling, cussing his head off, making his players do up-downs, you know, and going about uh, being the head coach of New York football giants as if he's a, as if he's a high school coach. This is why I screamed and yelled about this, because, because this rah-rah, look-at-me, fake-ass, tough-guy uh, shtick that he's pulling – Rarely, rarely, and few and far in between, ever uh, translates into be, into winning football games and being successful at the NFL level as the head coach. Okay, here's all I need to know about Joe Judge. He is six and twelve in his fourteen. No, in his what? Eighteen games that he's been in NFL, and his eighteen games that he's been as an NFL as an, as an NFL head coach, fourteen six or excuse me, six and twelve. That's it, six and twelve. And for all of the rah rah, Mister Tough Guy uh, uh, shtick that he pulls, his team doesn't win anything. Doesn't win. There was no reason in the world why the Giants should have blew that game in Washington on Thursday night. None. One of the best performances, in my honest opinion, that I've seen Daniel Jones have as a Giant quarterback thus far. 22-32, threw for 249, a touchdown, didn't fumble the ball, didn't throw an interception. They ran the ball decently. 
Daniel Jones, nine carries, 95 yards in the ground, and a touchdown, and, a, and he ran for a touchdown. Sterling Shepard, nine receptions, 94 yards. And, and they, they just, they just, they just couldn't close the deal. They're like, Terry McLaurin go nuts. 11 receptions, 107 yards, caught a touchdown pass. And I love and I love me some Taylor Heineke, but they made him out to be freaking Joe Theismann. I mean, my good for 30, 34 of 46, 336 pass yards through for two touchdowns, forced it, forced a, uh, and had a bonehead ass line interception that was on the fault of Heineke. He threw it right to him. But for love of God, I mean, for a perfect example, they get a gift, a gift with the Heineke interception. And what do the Giants do? They play not to lose instead of going for the jugular and putting the ball in the end zone with Coach Clapp as their offensive coordinator. And a ball and, 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 and a touchdown to Slayton that should have been and I tweeted out right then and there at the time that if the Giants lose this game, it's going to be that Slayton drop slash overthrow by Daniel Jones was going to be was 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 going to be was going to be their coup de gras. Now whether Slayton should have caught the ball or Daniel Jones overthrew it, it's irrelevant. But the Giants should have won that game. You know, and and the league came out and said, "Well, a player might have not been off, might have been ruled offsides." But I mean, Hopkins misses the kick. Giants escape with a win, and then offside defense, and then you just knew Hopkins was going to make the kick. I mean, my goodness, this team is he is six and fourteen. Six and twelve, wherever he is, he hasn't. He's done nothing as an NFL head coach. And I gotta hear about Joe Judge being the next, you know, Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick, uh, Nick Saban, uh, Tom Coughlin reincarnated. Give me a break. He's done nothing. His teams are disciplined as hell. They, they penalty nine million penalties all over the place. Yeah, I mean, how many penalties? Did, how many penalties did they have in this football game by any chance? How many penalties? How many penalties? I mean, it's, I mean, it's just. I mean, this is. It's, it's, it's not good enough. Not good enough. 11 penalties on 81 yards. And this guy's supposed to be Mr. B Mr. Bill Belichick, Mr. Mick Saban. We're playing. We're going to play. Un this is what he said in his press conference. We're not going to beat ourselves. And we're, we're going to be a disciplined football team. And we're not going to create penalties that's going to cost us games. Yeah, this team goes out there. 11 penalties 80, for 81 yards. That's not championship Bill Belichick, Nick Saban football. Yeah, this is the same Muppet that 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 that, 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 that wants to treat a bunch of grown men, grown men like high school kids. 
You've done nothing. Nobody cares for the nine millionth time about you coasting your way to national championships and Super Bowl rings with, or, or, or the, riding the coattails of Saban and Belichick. Irrelevant. And a giant fan that hasn't won a playoff game in 10 years doesn't care. Show some results. Judge. And win! Stop at the speech. Talk is cheap. And your little Mr. Tough Guy high school coach stick has gotten old. Win games. Play disciplined football. No false starts. No offsides. Play disciplined, solid, polished football. And capitalize when you have turnovers. Don't get don't don't force don't have your defense go out there and, and have them bust their hump to force the opposition to make mistakes, and then you get the ball back in prime scoring territory and you do nothing but sit on your hands and sell for field goals. They're team number one. Team number two, Oakland Raiders, they're two and oh. Hell of a job by them. Uh Derek Carr. Damn near through for 400 yards again. 28 to 37, 382 pass yards through for two touchdowns in the game. Henry Ruggs, who's starting to come into come onto his own in the league. Five receptions, 113 receiving yards and a touchdown catch. A phenomenal job by the Raiders, who and again, like I said, let me see. I'll I'll see that the Raiders are for real. As we get deeper and deeper into the season, I gotta see. And consistency doesn't mean you know they start the season you know five and zero, six and zero, or one of the best records records in the AFC after you know after Halloween. Let me see the Raiders. Let me see the Raiders continue this top uh, level of play. Once we get into December and the holiday season, when you know when it's when it's playoff contention time. Then I'll see if the Raiders are truly for real. But uh, it's too early to tell. We're only two weeks into the season. So I'll give them credit where credit is due and, and sing their praises for what it's worth. Their offense has been off the charts. Carr's throwing the football as great as he has been since what could have been and should have been his 2016, I believe, 2016 MVP caliber season until he hurt his leg. And then, of course, and then of course, on the defensive side of the football, they totally stepped up, only allowing 17 points with Pittsburgh. I understand the offense is inept, but seven, allowing 17 points is 17 points. They held them scoreless in the first quarter, scoreless in the third quarter. Rocklessberger, 27 of 40, threw for 295 pass yards, a touchdown, and an interception, dealing with a pectoral uh, with a pectoral injury that could affect them most likely against my Bengals on Sunday. Steelers couldn't Steelers couldn't run the ball a whole hell of a lot. What the hell else is new? 
David John or John what is his name David what uh do I have is I want to make sure I get the because uh, I haven't wrote down his D Johnson Dante Johnson Deontay Johnson nine receptions 105 uh, receiving yards Najee Harris caught a, caught a touchdown pass Juju Smith Schuster uh did nothing what else is new Claypool overrated didn't wasn't a factor Eric Ebron did nothing. Um, and, of course, uh, you want to get back to Mike Tomlin, another guy who I've screamed and yelled about on the program for ad infinitum of how uh, overrated he is. Did you know, and I saved this, uh, and I saved this in my little Twitter, um, in my little Twitter uh, uh, feed. Let me see if I can, uh, see if I can find it. Uh, with, with, uh, with the Steelers down nine with eight minutes left to go in the game, with Tomlin punting on fourth and short, I mean, are you, I mean, you kidding me? Are you kidding? You're down nine, Mike. Down nine, eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. You punted on fourth and short. What the hell are you doing? When their offense has been on fire, I understand first two weeks of the season, but it has been on fire lately. Fourth and short, down nine. And you punt it. Not down 10. Not down 13. Down 9. That's three field goals. That's If you go by field goals, that's a three-possession game. Going by touchdown plus field goal and and and, and two-point conversion, extra point, all that sort of stuff. That's a two-possession game. Fourth and short, you punt it. And yet, Tomlin is the guy with Mr. Uh, Mr. Cliche with the with the you know we don't live in our fears and all that malarkey and all that bullcrap, but I could scream and yell about Tomlin until I'm blue until I'm blue in the face. Anyway, item number three, Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston has, uh, came down to earth, and like I said in the monologue, you know it's like you know it's like going to a five star restaurant and and the food and the service and everything is spectacular and then you go somewhere and then you go somewhere to lunch and then they you know and they get and they give you a and they give you a uh, a a burger on stale on stale bread wilted lettuce rotten tomato and the and the and the beef is cold and the french and the french fries are cold and they're, and they're out of uh, and they're out of ketchup and the table that you're sitting at is a mess that's what it felt like watching Jameis Winston go back to his old ways of 11 of 22 passing and two interceptions uh, and one of them which was just an absolutely eyesore to watch and their 26 to 7 loss against the Carolina Panthers Carolina Panthers you know I did not expect it. I knew they were going to be better you know, uh, Colin Russo, friend of the program, uh, uh, I believe he either. I think he said that if uh, that he thinks they're going to win, uh, and if I'm misquoting him, I apologize. That he was going to that the Carolina was going to win uh, seven or more games, go seven and seven and ten, eight and nine, somewhere along those lines, because of the coach. The defense has improved, and of course, Darnold. Uh, which and I told him that I didn't trust Darnold in the quarterback. It looks well. That looks like that's all gone to hell because it looks like uh, the problem with Sam Darnold wasn't the fact that it wasn't him. It was the New York. It was the New York Jets. We'll get to in a minute with Zach Wilson. Uh, he has absolutely been on fire so far uh, on the young season. I understand it's early, and he played the. Uh, 
you know, and he played the hapless Jets in the first game of the year, but he was 26 of 38 on Sunday, threw for 305 passing yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Winston was sacked four times. It's a phenomenal job by the Carolina Panthers defensive front, which looks like it's back to their 2015 uh, ways when they went to the Super Bowl. Christian McCaffrey won terrible, 24 carries, 72 yards on ground, and a touchdown. They need him to stay on the field and stay healthy for the Carolina Panthers to move to go forward as a franchise for the long term and to win games in 2021. Uh, so far on the season, Darnold has, has a 68% completion percentage thrown for 584 yards, three touchdowns, one interception so far in the two games uh, on a young season. Looks like he has uh, resur- for, you know, for now, it's still early first two weeks of the season. I understand all that. Don't want to overreact, put everything into perspective. But it looks like Sam Darnold might have found himself and uh, has shown flashes of what he could have been as a pro, what everybody was uh, on and on over uh, heading into the draft during his days at USC. And speaking of the Jets and just how hapless and how pathetic they are, Zach Wilson, 19 of 33, th- threw for two only 210 yards, sacked four times, threw four interceptions in the game. Uh, you know, first interception he threw was stupidly thrown into tight double coverage that made absolutely no sense. Overthrew, overthrew his wide receiver on the second interception. Third interception uh, went di- went directly to the Patriots defender. I believe that was Devin McCourty that had the third interception. And then the fourth interception he threw was just so mind-bogglingly head-scratching. I don't know who the hell... Uh, he was throwing to, and I don't know what the hell was going through Zach Wilson's head. What his thought process was when he thought when he was, you know, when he was processing in the pocket of, uh, or you know, dropping back in the backfield of getting rid of the football. I mean, I had no idea who he was throwing to. Just an absolutely putrid, awful, disgusting performance by him. As the Jets are owing to, and it looks like you know the Jets have once again found their way to. Uh, to infiltrate and uh, and infect another uh, quarterback in the NFL, and you know, and for Tony Romo, uh, you know, I understand the Jets are toxic, but for the love of God, you know, sometimes a quarterback has to take it. And this is for Tony Romo that you know swears up and down that Zach Wilson is going to be the second coming of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, for the love of God, he for the love of God, he ain't even the second coming of freaking Mark Sanchez for crying out loud of how pathetic he was in the Patriot game. My goodness gracious. Meanwhile, Mac Jones didn't light up the scoreboard, didn't throw a touchdown, didn't throw for a touchdown, didn't uh, light up the uh, the box score uh, throw, uh, as far as passing yards is concerned, but only had eight incompletions, was efficient throwing the football, 22-30, ran the ball effectively. The Patriots ran for over 100 yards as a team and two touchdowns, and the defense went out there and forced uh, Zach Wilson to throw four interceptions. Patriots 1-1 one one in the AFC East, Jets fall Two zero and two, and speaking of the AFC East, the Miami Dolphins went up against the uh, Buffalo Bills on Sunday. Tua, uh, Tua hurt his ribs. I had to leave the game early. Only attempted four passes, one of four, sacked twice, 13 yards passing, and an interception. He will not play in a Dolphins game coming up on Sunday. Jacoby Brissett will. 24 of 40, 169 in interception as the Dolphins failed to score a touchdown on their end while the Bills got themselves together and, and uh, carved up 
that uh, Dolphin defense scoring uh, scoring 35 points, 17 to 33, 179 yards passing and a touchdown pass for Josh Allen and company. Singletary and Moss ran, both ran uh, both ran for touchdowns, and Stephon Diggs on a four reception 60 uh, receiving our performance also cut a touchdown pass, and Knox cut a touchdown pass for the Buffalo Bills in a game as well. That is your Thursday night recap and the early window of the Sunday game recap. Take a break. I'll get to the 4 o'clock window games to recap, and I have not forgotten about the Bengals. We'll get to them later. Uh, this is the Armitage Lecatelius Podcast with Jai Shields on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and on the Anchor.fm app. Welcome back to the Yamatelica TIS podcast. Switching gears now to the four o'clock window of games that were uh, on Sunday afternoon. We'll begin first with the Vikings and the Cardinals and what was an absolute shootout and a, and a fantastic, entertaining football game. Uh, yeah, I tell you, the, Vi- the, Viking- the Vikings offensively, you know, they've played well. They ran the ball better with Dalvin Cook in week two than they did week one against my Cincinnati Bengals. Kirk Cousins was 22 of 32 through for three touchdown passes, 300, or excuse me, 244 yards. Uh, K.J. Osborne, five receptions, 91 yards on the ground. Justin Jefferson caught a touchdown pass. Adam Thielen uh, got busy in the end zone as well. And then, of course, the Arizona Cardinals, who have put up over 60 points in the first two games of the young season. Kyler Murray, 29 of 36, threw for 400 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. But, hey, I mean, he, he, he was an absolute gunslinger on Sunday afternoon, just letting it rip and just letting the ball fly. Uh, to his receivers downfield, whether it be Moore, who had a seven reception, a 114 receiving yard, one touchdown reception type day, Williams, who caught seven passes for 94 yards. He even got my my uh, my buddy, my uh, the old Cincinnati Bengal AJ Green involved with a three reception, 44 receiving yard, a touchdown performance. DeAndre Hopkins four receptions. Uh, 54 yards as well. Really, he really, Kyler Murray really did spread the wealth amongst his receiving core and just and just didn't uh, harp on a, on getting the ball to AJ Green and DeAndre Hopkins. He really did a phenomenal job of uh, spreading the wealth uh, in the game on Sunday. Just an absolute fantastic football game. I mean, it was it was I mean it was back and forth right from the opening snap where every single time, you know, uh, the Vikings scored the uh, Cardinals scored a touchdown, Vikings would match it. Vikings would score a touchdown, Cardinals would match it. And then it was vice versa. And then, you know, to the point even even before the end of the half, it was like, you know, the Vikings went out there and kicked the field goal and got points. Colin Murray marched the marched the uh, Cardinals down the field to uh, to put Matthew Prater, the hell of a kicker that he is, in a position to kick a 62-yard field goal heading into the half on Sunday. And so it's like it was just a back and forth game where you score, I score, I score, you score, and uh, it came down to essentially a missed field goal by the Minnesota Vikings as they ended up losing 
uh, by a point, 34-33. That's game number one. Game number two is the Seattle Seahawks. And I really have no idea how in God's name they managed to choke the, they, they managed to choke the lead that they had away. I mean, my, I mean, my goodness gracious! I mean, this is a Seattle Seahawks team that heading into Sunday had never lost. Okay, had never lost a home opener in the Pete Carroll Russell Wilson era. Era, excuse me. Yet, and they were up. I'm just make sure I get the right amount of points they were up that they were up by, but they were up by double digits in the fourth quarter. Double digits. First time losing a home game after leading by double digits in the second half since their week six loss in 2015 to the Carolina Panthers. They blew a. I believe I, th I think their highest lead was 15. I want I want to make sure I am uh, I'm clear on I want to make sure I'm clear on that um, what their highest lead was. I'll make sure I clarify that during the uh, duration of the rest of the program. But they had a double digit lead and their defense collapsed and their offense stalled. You know, Pete Carroll saying, "Well, it was on Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson's job is supposed to move the guy, move the ball down the field." Yeah, Pete, that may be true, but ha but it wasn't Russell Wilson's fault that Derrick Henry, who your defense held to only 35 yards rushing on the ground on 13 carries, it wasn't on Russell Wilson, Pete. Why in the second half, Derrick Henry had a totally and, and played a totally different football game in the second half, get on 22 carries rushing for 147 yards on the ground and three touchdowns in the second half over and in the overtime period included. That's not on Russell Wilson. That's on your defense, which looks like might be another, might be an Achilles heel again this season. A defense that was horrendous on the road against Buffalo last November. A defense that was absolutely pathetic against uh, against um, uh, the uh, New England Patriots back in Week Two. A defense, a, def a defense that was that was very, very, very spotty throughout the throughout the majority especially the beginning of the 2020 season they were god awful against the Dallas Cowboys last year were just oh they were so bad i believe Dallas scored like oh, i believe Dallas scored over 30 something points and Dak Prescott threw for over 400 yards so they were pathetic against Dallas last year they got taken to an absolute clinic by Josh Allen uh, up in Orchard Park last November the worst loss they had during the that regular season, they weren't good against the Patriots, and I believe that was week either two or yeah, week two on that Sunday night against the Patriots. Granted, they made a goal line stand at the end when it really mattered, but they were horrendous against that against the, of at what was at the time a subpar Patriot offense. Back in week two of last year, they were I against the Indianapolis Colts in week one, and then this week after the going, and then this week, having gone into halftime with a twenty-four to nine lead, somehow, some way, get outscored twenty. Do I make want to make sure I have my math uh, correctly? Somehow, get outscored twenty-four to six in the second half.
a touchdown in the third quarter, two touchdowns in the fourth. Derrick Henry, of course, runs it in to tie it, and then the field goal by Randy Bullock to win the game. You went into halftime with a 24-9 to lead and proceeded to get outscored in the second half by the score of 24-6. to That is unacceptable. Ryan Tannehill, you let him throw for 347 yards. Derrick Henry went nuts. Julio Jones on six receptions had a 128-yard receiving performance. I mean, that, I mean that, that is just horrendous, horrendous, horrendous football. So did Russell Wilson allow his offense to stall out? Yes, absolutely. It doesn't help when, when, when their running backs are completely useless. Alex Collins, Freddie Swain, and Chris Carson. I mean, goodness gracious, where's Marshawn Lynch when you need him? Their, their running game is subpar. Tyler Lockett had a hell of a day. Freddie Swain wasn't bad catching the ball. But DK Metcalf wasn't a factor. And your defense imploded. And again, you allowed Derrick Henry, who was in a who looked like was still in a funk from the Cardinal game the previous week, go off on a 147-3 rushing touchdown performance just in the second half alone that is pathetic and horrendous horrendous football and that is a game if you're the Seattle Seahawks you cannot afford to lose you play in a division where you could just as easily end up in last place as you could just as easily win the division because it's so good and it's so competitive and when, and I know the Seahawks' goal is to win a division. And when the teams in that division, there's no team. In my, now, there's some teams better than others in the NFC West. Yes, but there's no one team in the NFC West that's greatly superior over the rest of the competition. And when you play in a division that's like that, where tiebreakers are going to become a factor as far as playoff seeding, whether it be wild card or who wins the division and what, Games against common, not just games, of course, within the division, but games against common opponents is going to play a factor. The NFC West plays the AFC South this season. They play the AFC South this season. So the Cardinals have taken business, taken care of business against the Cardinals. Or excuse me, the Cardinals have taken care of business against the Titans. You guys haven't. So the games that are really going to matter when it comes to what, what's, what could and what may make or break the Seattle Seahawks season, the games that really matter are the games within your division and the games against the AFC South and the NFC North. You play the Lions, you play the Lions, Packers, Bears, and um, what's the fourth team? Lions, Packers, Bears, and um, the Vikings. Get those games against those teams, along with the AFC South, along with the teams within your own division, could make or break your season. 
And you cannot, under any circumstances, allow a Tennessee Titan team that essentially was sleepwalking throughout the entire first half. Offense was dead as a doornail, flat as a pancake, couldn't get anything going, penalties and false starts all over the place. Uh, you know, false starts, jump guys, uh, guys holding penalties. They were so undisciplined in the first half, it was mind-boggling. They couldn't run the football. Ryan Tannehill was 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 very meh in the first half. Their defense was their defense was was taken to the clinic again, and then somehow, some way, you let the Tennessee Titans snatch victory, come come out of the jaws of defeat to snatch victory from you guys and now you're sitting at one and one in your in your division. Well you should be two and oh. And I was saying to myself at halftime, if the Titans lose this game, they are in a heap of trouble. They must have heard me because they went out there in the second half and absolutely kicked your hot parts up and down the field for the for what? For for the next forty minutes of game time. I mean it's pathetic. From the defense to Pete Carroll, horrendous. You Seahawks can't lose that game. Oh, it's terrible, terrible, terrible loss, terrible loss. Game number three. The uh, the Dallas Cowboys. And by the way, and this is, and I'm gonna wrap this all up at the end of this segment because this is a big theme of week two, not just in the in the Seahawks game and in the Cowboy Charger game and even the Raven. Uh, Chief game, but how in the world, you know, with the uh, with the, you know what, I, I saved, I'll I'll save the ref ball for later. I'll get to the Cowboys in the Charger game, a game that was a a D, uh, that was a game that I thought was going to be the shootout of the weekend where you'll have, you know, where you'd have, you know, sixty plus points scored, but you know, when a halftime score was fourteen to eleven, you knew you if you had the over bet that you were going to be in for a long afternoon. Cowboys taking care of the Chargers 2017. Greg DeLeg Zerline redeemed himself hitting a game-winning field goal at the end of regulation. Uh, and the Dallas Cowboys ran the ball well. Prescott 23 of 27 through for 237 uh, yards. They ran the ball. I'm still kidding. I mean, Zeke got out of his shell and started showing shades of why he's the million-dollar man that he is a little bit on the 16 carry, 71 yards on the ground and ran for a touchdown. But Pollard really did carry the load with a 13-carry, uh, 109-yard uh, touchdown performance in the game. Uh, and then, of course, uh, and of course, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers couldn't get anything. Give the Cowboys credit; they, they played a phenomenal, uh, played a phenomenal game defensively. A complete 180 of uh, of how they played against um, Tampa back in Week One. But uh, this was this was an absolute defensive slugfest, a, a defensive slugfest that nobody uh, saw coming. Because at least in my eyes, I thought this game was just going to be an absolute shootout because of the playmakers there are on offense, the quality of the quarterbacks, the fact that the Cowboys' defense stinks. So, so I, I thought for one that this game was just going to, you know, the first to score 35, 37, or crack 40 points was going to is going to be the team to win the football game. But this also was one of the worst officiated games of the young season. I don't know why, and I tweeted it out, and I'll, I tweeted it out that the sight of Tony Carrente uh, makes my skin crawl. That was that wasn't hyperbole, and that wasn't just me speaking in a moment. For one, Tony Carrente just gives just he gives off weird vibes to me. He's just not he's just not a 
uh, he, he's just not one of my favorite referees to look at whenever he's on television and, and hearing his voice call up. He's just like, just his overall presence, just, just, ugh. It, it it disgusts me. I gotta be well. This it, it's gonna go up even more now because of the fact that his his officiating crew was just. I mean, it was just absolutely pathetic. I mean, what in the world was that holding call on in in with uh, one fourteen in the third quarter that took off the Charger touchdown, which would have made it twenty one fourteen Los Angeles. Uh, and want to put the charges out in front late in the third quarter. Can you explain to me what what holding call? What what what? I, 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 make it make sense, guys. What holding call was there? I didn't see any. I wa- I watched the game live, and I went back and looked at the highlights and broke down the film night. Like I did not see a holding call or or a move by the offensive uh by the offensive pass blocker that warranted a holding penalty. Takes the Chargers touchdown off the board. Herbert throws a red zone interception. The Chargers walk away at the end of that drive with nothing. And then there is, and this penalty I think is even worse because it was like, well, illegal. Uh, this was uh, this was with 5:35 in the uh, 5:35 in the fourth quarter. Chargers have the ball inside the red zone. Oh, uh, uh, illegal shift. The two wide receivers were moving and did not get set prior to the snap. I swear to you guys on my life, I must have went back and watched that individual play before the snap about a dozen times, and I only saw one receiver move prior to the snap, and he got himself set well before Herbert hiked the football. Yet it was an illegal shift penalty. Are you kidding me? A bullcrap, bullcrap illegal shift called by the officials. Pathetic, horrendous garbage. One wide receiver moved, not two, and he got himself set prior to the prior to the snap. He resetted himself. I swear to you, I watched it about a dozen times. There was no illegal shift or illegal motion or false start penalty on that play. I don't care what Carenti and his dopey officiating crew says or thinks. And that took a touchdown off the board, which would have made it 2017 L.A. with 5.35 in the fourth quarter. They take the touchdown off the board. Instead, the Chargers have to settle for Chargers have to uh, they have to settle for a field goal to tie the game up. I mean, the 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 officiating as a whole all weekend long was absolutely pathetic. From the two bogus calls that had no business uh, being announced in the Charger game to the taunting to the taunting penalties, I mean, my good, I mean, Von Von Bell deflects a pass from Andy Dalton in the Bengal game, and he talks crap to Andy Dalton that gets flagged for 15-yard taunting. I mean, are you kidding me? I think it was Quandre Diggs of the Seahawks. Well, if it was the Seahawks secondary guy, you know, makes makes a play, gets up and celebrates in the presence of the Titans receiver. They call that taunting. 
I mean, you must, you must be kidding me. This is what we're going to do now. With these stupid, I, 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 the NFL is so freaking frustrating sometimes. They have the number one sports product in the world, and for whatever the reason, instead of going by the old adage, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, and just leave it alone and just let it be, they rather tinker with it and fool around and screw around and end up screwing up something that's that's something that's already golden. Whether it be the 16-game NFL regular season, whether it be the playoff format with the tw- with the 12 teams all together, the six in each league, with the first two uh, seeds getting a bye, to the taunting rule, where if you get up and you clap or celebrate or jeer or show any kind of e- of actual human emotion in the presence of a defender, you get called for a taunting penalty. I mean, my God, I mean, in the Texan Brown game, receiver gets up, makes a nice catch, and gets up, spins the ball, and looks at somebody. Literally spins the ball and makes eye contact with somebody, and he gets called for a taunting penalty. I mean, are, 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 are we serious, NFL? Are we serious? This, this is what you want your league to, to get to? Keenan Allen gets tackled in the Cowboy game and decides that, that he, and has words with uh, one of the uh, with the Cowboys linebacker, and the official gets up and is so freaking trigger trigger happy to throw to throw his dopey flag up in the air. DJ Reed, that's what it was for the say. DJ Reed makes a play while the Seahawks were up by a touchdown with eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter, makes a play, gets up, flexes, and makes eye contact, literal eye contact with the Titans wide receiver, and they call him for a taunting penalty. I mean, what 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 in what what do you call yourselves doing, National Football League? You have the best sporting product in this country. You're the most popular sport in America. And for whatever the reason, you guys feel the need to, for whatever the reason, tinker and tamper with it and kill and, 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 and self-destruct and cannibalize your own product. I do not get it. I don't get it. You're number one. You're the best sport that this, that this country has to offer. What are we doing with, with, these, with these stupid, inane, ridiculous nonsensical taunting penalties they make no sense partly because of the fact that they're all subjective it all depends on a referee it all depends on the referee's temperament the referee's attitude that day and how the ref and, and the referee and the referee and the officiating crew's perception and not everybody's perception, and not everybody's attitude, not everybody's viewpoint, not everybody's emotion, and not everybody's uh, subjective view is all the same. So you get the, so you get these ticky tacky, murky, gray area type of penalties, which 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 is just dumb. These guys are human. Let them show some emotion. 
Let them show some passion. If they want to get up and, 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 and jaw and talk smack and bump their gums and, 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 and be a little extra when they're out there competing their hot butts off for a paycheck and for their team to win, to make the rest of their teammates proud and make the fans in the stands and the fans watching on television proud, let them. It's part of sport. These professional athletes, they're human, not robots. They're human. They want to show some emotion, let them. It is a part of the game. It's a part of sports in general. Whether you're whether you're a little kid playing on a schoolyard or in high school, in college, doesn't matter. You're going to talk smack. And if you do something great and you want somebody on the team to know about it, you should. Now, going out of your way to do something that's, 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 that's vehemently, quote-unquote, disrespectful, fine. But this little ticky-tacky garbage that I saw getting called this past weekend did not warrant, not one penalty warranted a taunting, a, a, a call for taunting. Not one. Not a single one. And the fact that all of them got called for taunting penalties is an absolute disgrace. Because they have nothing to do with the, with the quality and what's going on on the field. These are all after the fact, after the play is over type penalties. Which is stupid. Because then it affects what actually goes on during the plays. It's just dumb. I, and also, I want to understand, who asked for this? Who on the competition? Who on the competition committee, committee? Who in the league office? Who amongst the thirty-two teams in the league say, "Guys, you know what? You know what the real issue is in the National Football League when it comes to our games and our players? The taunting. Like, what? What? What game? What game do y'all watch? Honestly, that's what's wrong with the sport is taunting." To the point where you all make it a point of emphasis with the officiating crew. I just, I do, I don't get it. I really don't. You know, and John Mara sitting up there, the clip of him back in August. Oh, we we sitting up here looking like a complete, looking like a complete shrimp. Oh, we really need to uh, cut down on the taunting. Uh, it's just something that just. Just, just ruining the games. What? John Mara? Shut up. Okay? Nobody asked. And even if and even if somebody did, no one really cares what you think, okay? You're the owner of the Giants. This makes sure John I here's a hit the John Mara needs to be more concerned about his team winning football games. And making the playoffs, and if they're in the playoffs, winning playoff games, then he needs to be concerned about what the NFL players are doing as far as celebrations and taunting and all this sort of stuff. He needs he he needs to be more worried and more concerned about his team than this stupid asinine taunting garbage. 
Worry about your own team, not this taunting. How about winning some How about winning some games, John? How about that? Because nobody asked for this. Players didn't ask for it, and the players hate it, and the players don't want it, and the fans didn't ask for it, and the fans don't like it, and the fans don't want it. And again, I've said this ad infinitum. If there's two groups of people you want to make sure at all times you're pleasing, if you're a professional sports league, it's your players that play in your league, because without them you have any, you don't have anything, and your fans, because if you don't have your fans, who are your financial background of what keeps the league afloat, you go bankrupt and you go out of business. If there's two, again, one more time, if there's two groups of people, if you're a professional sports league, that you should be that you should be obsessed with in keeping happy and keeping satisfied and content, it's your players within that league and your fans. Those two. The players and the fans. If the players think the think the taunting penalty is a crock of garbage, and if the fans think the taunting penalty is a crock of garbage, if it walks like a duck, swims like a duck, walks like a duck, you know what? It's a duck, and you need to get rid of the stupid taunting penalty. Because the ref ball that took place in week two was an absolute disgrace. And I tell you another thing. Can you explain to me in the Raven Chief game why they felt the need to call that ineligible man downfield? The Ravens are going are literally at their at the two yard line, running a two point conversion play out of the shotgun. And their offensive lineman literally got overpowered by the defender he was supposed to block and his momentum because he's so big literally took him two steps into the end zone. And they called that penalty. Stupid. I mean, how is he an ineligible man downfield when they're at the two-yard line? Well, like he went out for a pass, he his he took one step and his momentum carried him into the end zone. You know why? Because he's a big guy. He's an offensive lineman. The ref ball was so pathetic in week two. Oh my goodness gracious! Um, it, it, oh, it was the from from the ineligible man penalty to the illegal shift and the holding calls that weren't on the Chargers to the taunting penalties that were all over the league. It was terrible. Not to mention a roughing the passer penalty that should have been called when Joe Burrow was shoved to the ground uh, in their game on on Sunday. Or a holding call that should have been called. And a guy literally grabbing the inside of T. Higgins' jersey that wasn't called on fourth and short. Do a better job, officials. Okay? No, Nobody goes through all that hell to watch you officiate a football game. When they when they go to the games and no one puts on and no one pops on the TV or watches their games on their computer or their phone or their little tablet to watch you officiate a football game. They want to watch the athletes and they want to watch the players, not you. Do better. Back after this.
I tell you what wasn't hot, the Cincinnati Bengals. They were as cold as Lake Michigan in the middle of January as we welcome you back to the Until I Can Tell You podcast. I have no idea what the heck the Bengals were doing uh, Sunday afternoon at Soldier Field against the Bears. I mean, their bodies were in Chicago at Soldier Field, but their heads were someplace else. I mean, you want to talk about a messy, sloppy, just awful piss poor undisciplined football game on on both sides of the football offense defense and the coaching staff who knows what the who knows what the heck they're doing uh it, it's just just awful just run down the list from the Bengals 20 to 17 loss and the game was not that close ladies and gentlemen just got to be honest uh, all all the Bengals uh, the Bengals kicked a field goal in the third quarter and scored 14 points at the at the at the eleventh hour in the fourth quarter. I mean, my goodness, their offensive line first. Whether the fact that it's the fact that the Bears still have a good pass rush or the fact that the Bengals, I'll I'll put it on the Bengals offensive line. Uh, they went from lethal to garbage, and lethal to garbage is still not good. You know, it went from uh, deathly as far as Joe Burrow could get killed behind center to trash and just putrid and disgusting and not going to win his football games if the offensive line doesn't turn doesn't find a way to turn it around they weren't focused they weren't ready to play too many stupid asinine dumb penalties they had eight penalties on the afternoon or excuse me the Bengals only had four penalties on the afternoon but boy but boy were they four costly penalties that either Put uh, Chicago in prime pos- in prime scoring position, kept their drives alive, and set us back five, ten, fifteen yards every single time you turn around with the penalties. I mean, they just they could they could not run the ball they could not run the ball efficiently. Joe Mixon, who had a hell of a game, first game of the season against the Vikings, averaged three and a half yards to carry on. He ran the ball twenty times, got sixty nine rushing yards, failed to score a touchdown. Defense gave up way, 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 way. Way, 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 way too many third longs on Sunday as the Chicago Bears were were a forty percent uh were had had a forty percent uh third down conversion percentage. Uh it's just uh, you know, and and the, let's be honest and let's be frank, he's not immune from criticism either. That was the worst game I've ever seen Joe Burrow play as a Cincinnati Bengal thus far. He he forced the ball way too many times to T. Higgins when he was when he was getting double when he was getting double teamed or he was getting pressed man-to-man coverage within the first five yards of the line of scrimmage. He he tried to force the issue and tried to force the ball to T. Higgins, T. Higgins way too much during during the game and he got intercepted and he got and that was one of his uh, many interceptions, one of his many mistakes that he made in the game on Sunday was trying to force the ball to T. Higgins when it had no chance of going to him because he was so tightly covered by the Chicago by the Chicago second and then, of course, Joe Burrow with the with the bonehead asinine interceptions that did us in and was the the coup de gras to to any chance the Bengals had of winning that football game on Sunday. They should have if Wilson is able to hop on that football and walk into the end zone with it. The Bengals probably probably might end up winning the game. This is when they forced the Justin Fields fumble in the third quarter, and somehow, some way, they allowed Justin Fields to recover. Uh, you know, to recover his own fumble. On top of the fact that you had Andy Dalton, that's Andy Dalton. Well, right, you well, you did have Andy Dalton literally march down the field on the opening drive uh, and put up seven points as soon as Chicago got the ball to begin the game. 
game. Their open field tackling was atrocious. Again, they could not get off the field on third down, and they could not lay a finger, a finger, when it comes to their uh, pass rush uh, on Andy Dalton, especially during that opening drive. Uh, and then, of course, you know, and then, of course, uh, Joe Burrow, who goes 200 passing attempts, the longest active streak in the NFL without an interception. And, you know, and he sits up there in three straight passing attempts. There's three straight interceptions, one of them uh, being a pick six that was the, you know, again, that was the ultimate coup that brought to the game. And then the Bengals, you know, missed the last minute at the 11th hour. Holy crap, we're going to lose this game. Now, all of a sudden, they get their heads from out in between their their uh, their legs and get their, and get their tail out of their booty pipe and, and all of a sudden start to start to play uh, winning football. Guys, you got to be playing winning football and be ready to dominate and ready to beat your opponent right from the opening snap. Not with, uh, you know, 5.34 to go in the fourth quarter when, when you're down 20 to 3. No, 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 no. Play that way, right from. Play with that sense of urgency that you didn't have for essentially 50, 55 minutes throughout the duration of that game. You got to play with that, play with that hunger, and play with that sense of urgency right from the opening opening kickoff in the first quarter. And they did not do that. They did not do that. Defense again couldn't get off the field third down was sloppy as far as their open field tackling was concerned. Why Eli Apple is on this team, I, I literally have no idea. Offensive line went from lethal to garbage, still not good enough. This team cannot go forward as far as winning football games and be taken uh, and, and trying to be taken seriously as a team that's on the up and up trying to compete to win championships in the 2020s decade if you can't keep Joe Burrow off the ground. And another thing, and this is for Zach Taylor, you know, for all of the rah-rah speeches and all the, we're going to give our fans something to be proud of this season, we're going to put out a, a winning and encouraging product on the football field, this is the season where the luck of the Cincinnati Bengals and everything changes, blah, 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 all this talk, all this chit-chat, all this lip service for you guys to essentially not show up for three quarters against the pathetic, inept Chicago Bears. Because if that was because if that was a team led by a real head coach and that and and that and that was a and that was a uh, a uh, a more a, a, a tier A opponent that we play that we could that we would have played on Sunday that game would have been over by halftime. That that game would have had thirty one to three written all over it if we were playing a competent opponent. But we're playing the Chicago Bears coached by Matt Nagy that has no clue. So the game kind of sort of uh, came down to the wire late in the fourth quarter. But if that was any other team, if that was a real team led by a real head coach that had a real clue, that game would have been a bloodbath and would have been over by halftime. And if you're Zach Taylor, who all he did all offseason long was sit up there and get on his big soapbox and preach to me and preach to all the Bengals fans that he was going to give the Bengals something, to be, Bengals fans something to be proud of this season, you cannot under any circumstances go out there and say that throughout the offseason and all through training camp and everything else, and then your team lay a big fat giant egg at Soldier Field against the against the mediocre at best Chicago Bears in the second week of the season. That that you can't do, and that is unacceptable. Please, you got you got you got Kansas City, Baltimore, Cleveland, and the Green Bay Packers on your schedule. 
You should not be losing to Matt Nagy and the and the Chicago Bears, and make and make this uh, you know average at best defense look like uh, the '85 version with Gary Fensick, Dan Hampton, Steve McMichael, uh, the, uh, Mike Singletary, Otis Wilson, the Fridge, Richard Dent. Who else am I forgetting? Help me out. Who else am I forgetting? Look, 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 look like the 85 Bears. Please. Dave, du Dave Duerson. Come on! Here, here, we, I screamed and yelled about Joe Judge, so I got to be fair. Joe Judge, 6 and 14, 6 and 12, whatever he is. Zach Taylor. All right? Zach Taylor. Is is uh, is uh, six and whatever he is. His record's so bad. Record's so bad. I ain't even gonna give it to you. But he uh, here's 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 something I that I was. He's one in fifteen. He's one fifteen and one in road games as an NFL head coach in three in in two two seasons and two weeks of his third one. One fifteen and one. One win. Fifteen down. And one tie to the Philadelphia Eagles last season, who were inept, who we tried to give the game away to, and and Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz wanted wanted nothing to do with it. It's like, ah, we, we, we are you giving us the win? Are you you're too kind? We don't want it here. You take it. One fifteen and one. That is all you need to know. That is Zach Taylor's record as a head coach of this football team in two seasons and two games and his third. That is all you need to know. And if things do not turn around quickly and, 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 and in a heartbeat, and, in a, and what I mean by heartbeat and what I mean by quickly, I mean starting this upcoming Sunday on the road against the Pittsburgh Steelers then he needs to go immediately. He's 7-26-1 as a head coach of this football team. 1-15-1 on the road. He can't win, period, and he sure as shine cannot win on the road. And if he wants to stay employed, and more importantly, wants to avoid the wrath of yours truly, he needs to go out there, ASAP, and start winning some games, especially road games. And, and, you, know, and you know how you start? You ride off of the momentum of your Monday Night Football upset that you had at home the Monday before Christmas. You ride off of that momentum. You watch a little bit of that tape. Get the juices flowing within within that uh, within that team, and you go out there and you beat the one and one Pittsburgh Steelers on the road. Bengals haven't beaten the Steelers on the road since 2015, going on six years. It's about time that that it's about time that changes. Go out there, go out there, get after Ben Roethlisberger and a sore pectoral muscle. Make life a living hell for T.J. Watt in that defense. Don't let Najee Harris run rampant all over you, and and keep uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and uh, and and Chase Claypool and all of them hold them in check. 
and go out there and go out there and win a football game on the road, division rival, third weekend of the season. That's how you do it. That's how, that's how you that's how you change the tide and to start to change all this because you've won one lousy road game in your NFL career as a head coach on the road late December against the lowly pathetic Houston Texans. Oh boy, do better. Do better, play better. Let's go. He's on thin ice with me for the rest of the season. All this talk about giving the Bengals fans something to be proud of, and his team freaking stinks up the joint and doesn't even, and then goes three quarters without showing up against the mediocre Chicago Bears on the road. It makes Matt Nagy out to be George Hallis. You better win on Sunday in Pittsburgh. That's all I got to say. Better win in better win on Sunday in Pittsburgh. For his sake, my goodness gracious. Anyway, that's the end of our show. I will talk to you guys on Friday to talk about other things in the world of sports that I want to get off my chest. Uh, ben Simmons hadn't forgotten about that. The pennant chase in baseball, of course. Week two picks and preview in the National Football League. Your boy Jai Shields. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Until Friday, I will talk to you guys then. See you.